welcome to the Outward OPC podcast. Outward OPC is a work of the Committee on Home Missions, and its goal is to encourage zeal for reaching the lost and to be a tool for the OPC and other Reformed churches to be more effective at reaching people outside the church. You can check out the website at outwardopc.com. Now let's get to today's episode. Brad Herzog here for Outward OPC, and I have Chris Cashin with me. Chris is called to be an evangelist just outside the Atlanta area, which he'll tell us more about, but he's got a pretty unique ministry opportunity that some of you may have heard of and some of you may not, but we wanted to take some time today to talk to Chris about it. So Chris, welcome. We're glad you're here with us and particularly glad to hear about the ministry and have it become more vivid. Uh, Maybe you could start by just, because it is a bit unique, tell us what the ministry actually is and what you're doing, because it's not the typical evangelist role in the OPC. Thank you, Brad. Um, Yeah, it's not. We we are ministering to refugees, and and, uh, some people know who refugees are. Some really don't. They don't have a good idea. But refugees in, in the United States are actually invited by the country, given a ticket to come here because they are suffering some sort of persecution in their home country, be it uh, persecution due to war, violence, uh, political persecution. Some uh, are being persecuted because of their religion. But uh, each one of them, regardless of the kind of, of persecution that they are suffering, are fleeing and, and they're seeking refuge. And as they come to this country, we're seeking, uh, as the church, now to come and surround them with the love of Christ. Um, and we do that in a variety of ways. We can help uh, diaconally, uh, maybe by paying rent. We've helped the family with uh, getting their transmission fixed. Um, uh, but in all of these things, what we're trying to do is share the love of Christ. And so we teach English. We have an after-school program for elementary school students. Uh, and, and we are just trying to engage as much as we can with our new neighbors and demonstrate to them very, very physically uh, the love of Christ and, uh, and show them who Christians really are because many of them are coming from uh, Muslim countries and they really even haven't engaged or met a Christian before. So I mentioned outside of Atlanta, but I didn't even mention that it's in Clarkston. Uh, tell us why Clarkston, Georgia, why is this a place for refugees and why is it an opportunity for us to minister in this way and and what's life like in Clarkston both for you and and for these refugees? Mm. Well, in the late 1960s, uh, there were many, many apartment complexes built as the perimeter, that's the the highway that encircles Atlanta, was finished. Um, uh, And so Clarkston is only about 1.4 square miles and within that 1.4 square miles, there are apartments after apartments. And uh, as as folks uh, after the 1960s got more money, they moved out further into single-family homes that opened up. Uh, that is a, a great housing situation for folks that didn't have a lot of money, and that, that spells refugee. Uh, in addition to housing, there's uh, all kinds of jobs available around the metro Atlanta area for folks that don't speak English. If, if you can prepare a chicken for production, you can, you can come and work at the chicken production plants. Uh, And then the transportation. Uh, There's a great transportation uh, facility in Atlanta and around Atlanta. So that makes it a a good and welcoming environment in terms of the world for refugees to come. Uh, And then uh, Redeemer, which is the church that called me, is located about 10 miles or so away uh, from Clarkston. So we're physically located uh, in, in a great place. 
to begin this ministry. Uh, and then on top of that, our pastor is from Africa and a political asylee himself. And so he has experienced very personally the peril of uh, not only political, but religious persecution and has come here uh, as a result of that and, and, and has a heart for uh, ministering to those who are refugees. Yeah, so you mentioned uh, uh, so, so a fair number of listeners may know Pastor Zeki mm-hmm. uh, at Redeemer. Uh, maybe this would be a good time for you to tell us the story of how you get involved in this ministry. Uh, I know you a little bit, and I, I remember you saying at one point, this isn't exactly how you drew things mm-hmm. up. Uh, you wouldn't have known this when you went to seminary. Tell us how you got involved and uh, that connection to, to Pastor Zeki. And uh, there may be a lot of listeners that don't even know who mm-hmm. he is. Mm-hmm. So around 2011, uh, because of the persecution in his country, uh, Pastor Zeki was required to flee. He had to leave certainly his family behind, uh, his ministry behind. Uh, He went first to Sudan, then Kenya, which is the path that many refugees take in terms of going to another country first uh, before they come to the United States. And then he made it all the way to the United States where he was going to finish his seminary degree. And that's exactly what he did. But along the way, uh, I was privileged to meet him uh, and really didn't know who this fellow was. Uh, but he was so uh, engaging uh, and welcoming to me uh, that, uh, that we struck up a friendship right away. And, and not only that, but then the church began surrounding him with the love of Christ and began providing for him such that he could survive. Uh, refugees come with nothing. They don't come with a, a container of furniture, with a bank account, with cars. They have absolutely nothing. And so the church came together and provided all these things. Um, and I was, again, privileged to be engaged and in, 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 in part of that. And so this, without anyone saying it to me, was my introduction into refugee ministry. And, and it, it certainly it would break your heart to, to understand uh, the peril that he was in. Uh, and the fact that he was separated from his family and all the things that he had gone through. And so we would spend time together praying uh, for his family. Uh, and, and then, uh, in addition to that, doing diaconal things, taking him to the, to the DMV to get his, uh, his license and helping him with immigration forms. So that just, just wet my interest for this ministry. So you mentioned uh, earlier, uh, you mentioned briefly some of the things that you do in the ministry. I wonder if you'd take uh, some time and tell us, maybe make it a little more vivid for us. Uh, don't single anybody out or names if you don't, if you want to, but tell us some of the kinds of uh, ministry opportunities you've already had in Clarkston. Um, I think it helps people as they think about you and pray for you and, and know the types of things that are going on. What, is, what does it look like for you and your wife uh, on a given week, what types of, of activities are you helping them with? And, and how do you begin to transition that from showing the love of Christ to even bringing, you know, the gospel mm. into that at some point? Mm. Well, uh, let me first say that this is a ministry not for Chris Cashin, but for the church. Uh, it, as uh, I think Hillary Clinton wrote, it takes a village. She was close. It really takes a church. And um, so a day for us has a variety of aspects to it. But one thing we do is we minister to children, uh, for we know that the children that come first have a good grasp of English, usually. Uh, They are enrolled in public schools, and so they're bringing homework uh, home with them. Uh, But mom and dad can't help. 
they don't know English, they don't know the school system, they don't understand, and so we come alongside and, uh, and three days a week we help children, elementary school children, folks from Syria, children from Afghanistan, some from Mexico, some from Guatemala, um, but we help them with their studies and so we've got folks from our church that are coming to sit down with children for an hour, hour and a half, help with homework, but we don't stop there. And now we also get into scripture and we, we're introducing them to the truths of, of Christ Jesus. We began with the creation. Uh, we have taught them about the Exodus. We've, we've explained to them how Noah was obedient and yet Adam was disobedient. We've seen the, the rise of King David to the throne and how that points to the Lord Jesus Christ and introduced them to, to the birth of Jesus Christ. So all these things that children are, are learning about and they're, they're absorbing it and they're understanding and this is a beautiful thing to watch. Not, not only do we minister to children, but then we seek to minister to the adults. And we have an English class uh, at one apartment complex in Clarkston. But that provides us with the opportunity to meet and, and now really and truly engage in the family life. And so we have a great need for people to come alongside and work with us and just have an English conversation with, with a Syrian mom while she's taking care of her children. or or with maybe an Afghan dad who has just come home from work and he really wants to know more about the English language, but you're using that also to demonstrate the love of Christ. So that's kind of what our day looks like. So I know um, this ministry is sort of cutting a new path, so to speak, uh, but you are also thinking about church planting as the Lord provides that opportunity. It, it strikes me that that also is a unique Thing that you're thinking about. Can you tell us a little bit? I realize it might be early for you and things may change in terms of how you're thinking about things, but how are you and, the, and your fellow leaders thinking about this dynamic of a refugee ministry, but then, uh, you know, a, ch a church plant in the greater suburban Atlanta area? Yeah. Well, as we minister, um, what we thought we were going to be doing was coming to plant a church of refugees. And while we've only been at this a short period of time, uh, we realized that, that maybe that vision wasn't the right way to think about planting a new work in Clarkston, Georgia. Uh, and so now what we think is that the, 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 the Reformed Church really is not present uh, in that area. And, and, and so there are many churches and people are learning various things, but we think that the ordinary means of grace may not be appreciated in, in the sense in which we would like to see them. And so what, we're, what we seek to do now is to plant a work which really is, is tied directly to the Word of God and, and calling people to worship in the way that He calls us to worship. But in addition to that, not only loving and serving the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, but doing it with our feet as well as coming to, to worship on Sunday mornings, meaning we're going to be surrounded by a community which not only has diaconal needs, but people are in spiritual darkness. And so uh, as a result of what's happening on Sundays, we want to also take that and put that to work in the community throughout the week as the church comes together, certainly to worship, but then to, to do that which Christ has called us to, and to love our neighbors of different stripes, different colors, different languages, uh, who need the gospel, who need certainly diaconal ministry, but they 
even more than that, need the truth of Christ. I'm wondering, as, I, as I'm listening to you talk about this, and, and we're here at the, in St. Augustine at the Church Planters Conference, and you and I have talked about some other things. I wonder, as you've been doing this now, I can imagine highs and lows. I can imagine challenges, like everybody has, but maybe even in particular seeing some heartbreak and things like that. If you can reflect on it at all, what have you and your wife maybe learned about God or seen God do that maybe has surprised you or, or something that you've seen that you just wouldn't have have thought about? And, and, and what have you seen in God's character just in your own life as, as now an evangelist and a minister and you and your, your wife as a couple? Well, I guess first and foremost is, is the growth that we have experienced as individuals following Christ. Um, as, as the Lord has been pleased to allow us, and really is both of us engaging in this ministry, while well, I've been called as the evangelist, my wife is really participating in and ministering to women in a significant way. Um, we're both growing, uh, and we're seeing the, the depth of the love of God uh, for us, that he has drawn us out of this pit of darkness and despair, and he's set our feet upon the rock. And we see that because we are seeing uh, those that are continue in darkness and, and they, they don't have the light. And so uh, that has given us the desire to see our friends, our, our new neighbors, uh, being brought into the light. Um, we, uh, we, we've had struggles. But I, what I want to say, first and foremost, is that we are growing in grace. And I think anyone that joins us in this ministry is going to be experiencing the same thing. Um, we've had heartbreaks in terms of uh, seeing people come to the things that we're, we're doing, come maybe to our English class, maybe have their children coming to our after-school program. And, and then at some point in time, they've either removed themselves or they've removed their children really without our understanding and, 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 and not knowing why as we felt we were establishing a close relationship what happened but then, then uh, by, by God's grace and, and, and his providential hand we've seen at least one family come back uh, and, and he's giving us another opportunity to minister to this particular family to their children and we praise God for the way he's working. And we know that not, that, that not all of these families are going to come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. But even in that, as we're able to share and as we're able to talk about Christ from time to time, it is such a blessing that, that we are receiving as a result of being able to minister the way Jesus Christ ministered to the 5,000 or to the 4,000. I'm thinking, Chris, about people who are listening uh, to this podcast, and uh, there may be a small group that would be within shouting distance of the greater Atlanta area and be able to kind of check out what you're doing. There may be others in other parts of the country that, that do have refugees, but I'm thinking at large, we just all have people around us who are different from us in a diverse area, and we talk about this a lot in the OPC and the reform world about trying to reach uh, people that are different from us and come from different cultures and and don't know the reformed world. I know it's early on for you, but have you have you started to learn things uh, about how we can reach people that aren't like us, whether they're refugees or whether they're just Americans who aren't like us? Mm. That that you could maybe encourage all of us and and the listeners with uh, as we think about reaching people like that. 
That's a great question, and I'd love to be able to tell people I've got a book, a manual, and if you send me an email, I'm going to send you a copy. However, there is no manual, uh, and and I guess my greatest encouragement would be that we're called to have our confidence and trust in Christ Jesus, that it's not in myself, uh, that I did not get a degree in cross-cultural ministries. Uh, and so we've come in faith depending upon the work of the Spirit. And so it's a little bit like learning how to swim. As my parents tied that football on my back and, and they didn't throw me in, but they could have. They could have just thrown me into the pool and, and that float would have kept me up. And, and that's a bit of what this ministry is like. We knock on the door, we walk in, and by God's grace, we have Syrians and Afghans welcoming us into their homes, offering us tea, telling us to please sit down. And that hospitality is giving us that confidence to sit to stay, to drink the tea, to have that conversation, to establish that friendship, and to do those things we had no idea we knew what to do, but God provides. He's a, he's a God that is full of grace, and his grace is sufficient and has been working in us and through us to allow us to do this. And we welcome those who might be interested in doing the same thing. We have to kind of jump in, but we're there, and, and the Holy Spirit is there to hold our hands and get us through and encourage us in this ministry. How has this unique ministry affected even your preaching? I, I, I know you don't have a church plant yet. You're filling OPC pulpits. Um, maybe I'm ca- catching you off guard, but it's just something that came to mind. How has the uniqueness of this ministry, always spending time with people who don't know the Lord, who may be coming from other religious backgrounds, how has it affected your preaching or how do you expect it to affect your preaching? Well, I think uh, as I was called as an evangelist and uh, continued preaching, not not to a local church, so to speak, but in different churches and from now and again at Redeemer, as I go through the texts, I am seeing more often as the Lord gives me that work of the Spirit, so many passages involve evangelism. So many passages encourage us to share what's going on in our hearts with those around us. So many passages can can lead us in the way that the Lord would have us to do to, so that we can be those lights and, and, and to be that salt. Um, so I think that's the way it has changed for me. Certainly the, 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 the centrality of Christ in the message has probably become more vivid to me. Uh, it has to. If you're thinking of evangelism, you're thinking of Christ. You're thinking of what he did. You're thinking of how he did it and his compassion for people. Um, and yes, it has had an effect and, and, and I believe it will continue to have an effect. So I like to ask each uh, pastor, each evangelist that I talk to, um, we're recording this in early 2019, it'll come out in a couple months, are there things in mind for 2019 that people can be praying for? Yes, everybody gets the home missions today, but while I'm talking to you, uh, I've said a number of times, the great thing we have in the OPC is people are genuinely reading these reports and updates and praying in worship for our church plants and in their own private worship. And I wonder if you have anything in mind kind of looking out at 2019 that you could, listeners, that, that they might add to their prayer list. Thank you for asking the question. A couple of things come to mind uh, pretty quickly. First is wisdom. Uh, 
Christ has told us to be as shrewd as the serpent and there's a sense in which there's a great sense in which we are in a spiritual battle uh, on the front lines so to speak day by day and when we think of spiritual battles we think of things going on in the heavens but we are kind of in the midst uh, where we have folks that are telling uh, our friends, our new friends, don't even associate with them. Don't send your children to them. Stay away from them. And so that spiritual battle is coming to our doorfront, so to speak. So we need wisdom as to how to continue and to uh, persevere and, and how to reach uh, those who may be in a different religion and who have been taught wrong things about Christ, but how to share the truth with them. Wisdom is probably the first thing. But then the second thing is we need people. Um, we need people who have the same desire, the same vision, who, who want to serve Christ in this way. Um, we need people. Uh, we've got an opportunity to begin a, a new English class at a second department complex. That's going to take a whole new group of, of people to, to staff that and to, and to reach out. This apartment complex is full of refugees and just full of opportunities, uh, certainly to teach English, but, but as we do, to share Christ. And that's just the second apartment complex. There are probably 50 apartment complexes in Clarkston. And so we want to multiply the ministry and, and, and we want to get together with people and worship Christ. So wisdom and people, those are the things that we need. Well, great. Thanks, Chris, for taking the time. It's been great to get a more vivid picture. I think it's great to hear from you in particular about the work. And we'll look forward to seeing what the Lord does. We'll look forward to home missions uh, today reports and uh, maybe down the road we'll talk again uh, with an update and see what the Lord's doing and what you've learned but thanks for your time today thank you so much Brad and I thank you for your time and and your interest even in this ministry thank you so much that's it for today's episode you can go to the website at outwardopc.com to check out more resources and you can sign up for our email list where you'll receive notifications when new things are available until then we'll see you next episode